I want to talk to you just a few minutes, and I only have a few minutes, if you're watching your clock. Amen. I hesitate to just jump into this. I want to see smiles turn upside down. God talked to us about the value of praising Him, no matter what is occurring in your life. There's such emphasis on praise in the Bible, such emphasis on petitionary prayer in in the church, and that's good. He said, call upon me in the time of trouble, I'll deliver you, and thou shalt glorify me, Psalm fifty fifteen. He said in Jeremiah 33, 3, and call upon me, and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Early in the Bible, it said men discovered the power of prayer. And it said, and men begin to call upon the Lord in the very first books of the Bible. Amen. They discovered that God listens when people pray, that God answers, and particularly he answers those that he's in covenant with. Everybody say, in covenant with. Amen. When God is in covenant with you and you recognize you're in covenant with Him, you have a, 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 a privilege that people outside that covenant just don't have. It's not that God doesn't hear the prayer of people that are not in covenant with Him. He hears the sinner's prayer the moment that it's prayed. Amen. He hears the cry of people in trouble. Sometimes he brings people through something to bring them to himself. Amen. The goodness of God does, in fact, lead men and women to repentance. Amen. Praise God. But if you're in covenant with him, it's all different. Everything changes. You're not just praying to a force in heaven. You're praying to a father in heaven. And the great privilege of those in covenant with him, particularly the blood covenant of the New Testament, is to be able to call him Father. And that's why Jesus said when you begin to pray, you start with an acknowledgement, with an acclamation and proclamation that you are in a unique personal relationship with God. Amen. Before you think about your believing when you pray, this will help you believe when you pray, is because you are in a personal, paternal relationship with God. Amen. Everybody say the Lord's Prayer. He's changed my message. Uh, This is such a good message. And I have tried three times to preach it. And one of these Sundays, He's going to let me. And you're going to love it because it's going to bless you. It's God's Word. Hallelujah. But he's took this whole service priming our hearts for what he's saying right now. I mean, prayer and praise. Everybody say prayer and praise. One writer said, one scholar of Scripture said, praise is the highest form of prayer. That sounds kind of odd and strange to our ears because we think of prayer as a praise is just giving him honor and glory and worship. Whereas, whereas prayer is, we think of what it is mostly, petition. Asking Him for what we need. You have not because you ask not. So it's fine to, to bring your petition before the Lord. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened. Seek and you shall find. Amen. So God encourages us to ask, to seek, to knock, to trust Him. But when prayer is mainly petition, 
and it isn't coupled with praise, then it can become just a plea, a repetitive plea. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And most of us have our own perception of what it means to pray. And I, I believe I can speak for myself and most in here. When we first got saved, and many of us maybe even now, it's, it's all about getting a need met, getting a petition answered. And we don't necessarily couple praise with prayer immediately. When the answer comes... How many's ever got an answer to prayer and praise God for it? In the book of Acts, Peter is put in prison, and they were so cons- they they knew there's something unusual about the apostles, the disciples, about Jesus Himself, and they they were concerned about Peter being secured until they could probably try to get authorization to kill him. So they wanted to keep him in the inner part of the prison. They wanted, to, they, wa- they wanted to keep him so secure that they took two guards. After they locked him in the inner part of the prison, they took two guards and they put one on one side of him and one on the other. So Peter is sitting between two guards that are going to sit with him all night to make sure he did not escape. Now, you've got to have some real concerns about a prisoner to put him in the inner prison, lock the door, and put a guard on one side, a guard inside the cell with him. So nobody's going to, you know, shoot the jailer with a dart and he's going to be knocked out and then they're going to go in and get the key and get... No, there's two guards sitting in there with him you've got to deal with. So the church begins to move in petitionary prayer, which is requisite. That's what we should do. They begin to pray. And here's how they prayed. And this is the persistence of prayer. They made prayer unto God in behalf of Peter without ceasing. They didn't pray and go to the Dairy Queen. Can you say, man... Amen. I'm, I'm serious. I used to go to a prayer breakfast uh, with ministers, uh, and uh, and and I, I was always taken back by the fact that prayer was just some little something tacked on to the end of the breakfast, and it was the breakfast, not the praying, that drew us there. Fellowship with one another, have breakfast. And, the, and after a while, there was controversy over what kind of breakfast we were going to have. There was, there was some people wanted a, a light breakfast, uh, you know, that, uh, that, what do they call it, a continental breakfast? What is that? Kind of a, kind of coffee and a, and, and a, some sweet. Kind of a brunch. Then others wanted a brunch, which was more of a, a big, full meal. And so people are kind of, you know, trying to come to some agreement about what we're going to eat rather than who we're going to talk to and what are we going to talk to him about. And of course, since we're not really coming to Christ and, 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 and really interceding, uh, 
my dad, I, I got to say, I got 18 things on my mind, but I'm going to try to try to sum it up here. <laughs> try to make a synopsis of it all. It's going to be difficult for me. But my dad, when he was really going through some physical problems, he, he really got scared. It, down in the evening, wee hours, he called a prayer helpline in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think it was the Oral Roberts University prayer helpline. Uh, he had already called me earlier, and he's going he's gonna to keep on pursuing people that will pray. And uh, I, I was wondering, after I had prayed for him early, was he going to be able to sleep, or did I need to go get him, take him to the emergency room, because he would have what he calls spells, and at his age and stage of life, it could become serious. And so I always slept with the phone right by me. Uh, at 24-7, I was in touch with my dad. Anyway, he called the prayer line, and, uh, and after a while, he called me back. He said, Bobby, I hate to bother you. Could you just pray for me one more time? And and he said, I may have to go to the hospital. I said, listen, if you're not better after we pray again, by all means, I'll be there in five minutes. And I could be there in five minutes. But I, I was concerned about How he had come out, he told me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call that prayer line. I said, I, I believe you ought to. I said, I believe in ganging up on the devil. Amen. More people you get praying, one of you shall taste a thousand, two put ten thousand to flight. They'll come out against you one way, they flee before you seven ways. We've got great power with God. And I said, listen, I said, how did that work out? How did that, how did that prayer, did you call the prayer line? And he said, I did. I said, well, did it do you any good? Did it do you any good? In other words, did you have any peace, any help from it? He said, oh, Bobby, some little girl, well, when you're 90-something years old, you know what I mean, any, you'd be a little girl, amen? He said, some little girl, sound like she read some prayer off a card. And I thought, well... You know, she's probably sincere. She's volunteered for a prayer line, and she probably meant it, and God was probably listening. But he didn't feel it on his end. You know, saying a prayer is not the same as praying a prayer. Amen? Dad used to call me and say, Bobby, would you say a little prayer for me? I said, no. I will not say a little prayer. I don't know anything about saying and little when it comes to talking to God. It it don't resonate with me. I can't pray that way. I'm not going to say a little prayer. I'm going to pray a big prayer. I said, would you accept it if I didn't say a little prayer but prayed a big prayer? Because we serve a mighty God. Hallelujah. So I'm going to pray a big prayer. I used to get caught up in in this. We were so insignificant. The darkness is so overwhelming. This little light of mine. Come on. Come on. All I have is Jesus. All I have is the Holy Spirit. All I have is the kingdom of God living within me. So this little 
light. All I have is this treasure in this earthen vessel. But it just produces a little tiny light. No, it's not. We quit singing that. Our pastor wouldn't let us sing it. He forbid us to sing it. He said, if you're going to sing about your light, sing this bright light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Can you say amen? Ain't nothing little about the light that we have. Praise God. And if you're going to defeat the prince of darkness, the scripture tells us to put on the armor of light. And the armor of light is none other than Christ himself who is the light of the world. Praise God. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Praise God. But put on Jesus. Actually, when you put on the armor of God, you're putting on Jesus He's the Savior. That's the helmet of salvation. It's His righteousness that has been imputed to you. That is the breastplate of righteousness. It's His Word. Can you say, man, that is the sword of the Spirit? It is faith in the power and authority of His name. Hallelujah. That is the, the mighty shield of faith. It's His peace that is the shoes of peace. It's His truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you put on Jesus, you put on the whole armor of God. You don't put it on in pieces. You put it on in a person. Lord Jesus Christ and you will put on the helmet you will put on the breastplate you will put on the sword of the spirit you will put on the peace you will put on the righteousness let me say that again you don't put it on in pieces don't go to a Bible study that says well you got to put this piece on but don't forget to put that piece on and if you miss this piece then that's the weak point no you put on a person and you got it all called the armor of light and Jesus is what? I'm the light of the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. Put on the belt of truth. What did Jesus say? I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Praise God. Amen. Glory to the Lord. Now you're clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. Praise God. When Jesus comes, the Bible said <coughs> that a sword is proceeded out of his mouth. Well, what kind of sword is that? Amen. Take ye the what? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, thereby putting on the armor of light, thereby putting on the whole armor of God. You don't put it on in pieces. You put on a person and you have it all. Start putting it on in pieces. The devil is going to question your faith. Put on the person. He can't question that. You put it on in pieces. The devil said, you don't have faith to believe God for that. Your faith isn't strong enough. You're going to waver. And there your shield. You just start dropping it down. Amen. But you put on a person. See, it's he that's in you that is greater than he that is in the world. Can you say amen? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on Christ. Praise God. And being found in him, not having mine own righteousness. Praise God. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh. Listen to me carefully. Here, let's get back. Let's get Peter out of prison. And the church made prayer unto God without ceasing. Without ceasing. 
I'm really, I understand, I understand the concept of not continuing to pray and pray and pray as if God isn't listening. But it is wrong to quit praying for the thing in the name of faith. Jesus said, ask and keep on asking. It's in, it's in the continual grammatic, the grammar is in the continual. It is not praying, you're done with it. And to pray again would be a lack of faith. No, prayer is something that we're to commit to until the answer is manifest. We don't pray continually because we don't know if God is listening. We pray continually because we know we have His ear. We know He's listening. And there's something about faith and perseverance. Perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. Many times when you see patience in the Bible, it is the word to persevere. To continue something that you continue to do. Not something that you just sit down and become passive. So they made prayer unto God without ceasing for Peter. What they didn't do is what Paul and Silas did. They didn't stop praying at some point and start praising God for the answer. They were going to hold that praise until the answer came. And most Christians don't praise God before the fact. And I've heard this over and over again. Well, I'm not going to be disingenuous and I'm not going to be dishonest and I'm not going to praise God for an answer that hasn't happened yet. I'm going to be honest. Well, if you're going to be honest, let God be true. Amen. If you're going to really, you're concerned about honesty, then, then let God be true. We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't have to see it to believe it. We believe it to see it. Can you say amen? Anybody can praise God. It doesn't require faith to praise Him after the answer comes. Amen? How many know when the answer is manifest, everybody praises God. Thank you, Jesus. When our power, we were praying for our power to come back on. And my daughter-in-law called Tampa Electric, and they told her, and we were three days in, they told her that the power would be on this late this afternoon. They said, your power will not be on until late Sunday afternoon. So you're going to have several more days without power. And we'd ask God, and we'd thank Him because He's good, and, and, and we came here <laughs> to get out of the heat. The sw- but we needed it to come back on. My son has respiratory problems, and we invited him to come and stay in the portable. But I did you to come if you needed shelter. You always remember that. You're welcome. And so he, we prayed. And we thanked the Lord for His goodness and His mercy no matter what. And they turned it on the next day. The very next day, they just turned it right on. And I'm just grateful for that. But we were praising God anyway. We were not waiting to see if that happened or didn't. We thanked Him for getting us through. We thanked Him the oak tree didn't fall on our house. Because my grandma's house is about a mile away, her old house. 
that we, and, and a great big tree fell on it, two-story, and crushed one end of it completely. And I thought, Lord, you've been so good to us. Nothing touched our house. The old Grandpa Oak just stood there and stood in the ground. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But, but we begin to praise him. I don't know what you claimed as the storm was coming. We claimed Psalm 91. Amen. We opened the Bible, Psalm 91. We stood in the kitchen and we began to claim, Because thou hast made the Lord thy God thy habitation, and under his wings thou art come to trust, thou shalt not be afraid. And then you go through the whole list. And then God starts talking back to David and said, Because he said his love on me, I'll deliver him in trouble. Amen. I'll be with him. I will answer him. And we just said, Lord, we just want to thank you before the storm gets here. Hallelujah. That we're going to be safe through the storm. Praise God. We just thank you, and we begin to thank God and praise God, me and my family. And, and we, got, we got this group hug going on, and my dog stood up on me. Amen. I had to pick him up, put him in the middle of the group hug, and he just... <laughs> just like Stevie Wonder. Amen. He was just... He was just you know Stevie Wonder, he does that. That's just thing he does. Amen. Amen. He was just enjoying all that hugging. And there was peace. And my dog has a nervous condition. I mean, rain. He starts shaking. His skin starts just shaking. His body starts tremoring. And through the worst, because of the peace of God that came before the storm even got there. Amen. Through the storm, we expected him to lose his cool like he does all the time. But he didn't lose his cool through the end entire storm and now today because we haven't prayed that way if he if a little bitty rain comes he'll jump up on the couch next to you and just shake until it shakes the couch he's got real issues with rain and thunder and stuff like that oh friend of mine god's peace when it comes and and god wants his peace to come as a verification of our faith we don't need anything but peace to come to know that He has heard us and that the answer's on the way. But when that peace comes, praise God. You pray and peace comes. Peace is a, oh, it's, it's, it's hard to explain. It's a peace that passes all understanding. But if you keep praying as if He hadn't heard, that peace can't be granted. Amen? In all things with prayer and supplication, be ye anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Now, there are concerns that are so, so pressing, so important in our humanity, we can't help but care. But when the care comes, that, that heavy concern settles in on us, on our mind and emotions, the Bible said in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, cast your care Upon, am I in the right or am I in the Psalms? I'll catch up to myself in just a few minutes. Amen. First Peter 5 and verse 7. Because he cares for you, casting all of your cares upon the Lord. Because he cares for you. I want to read it from the Amplified. Because I like the way the Greek is brought out. Casting all of your care. Everybody say all of it. Casting all of your care, the whole of your anxieties, 
once and for all upon Him. Because He cares for you and watches over you affectionately. Can you say man? Isn't that good? How can I trust Him with this? Because His eye is on the sparrow. And I know He watches me. Can you say man? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. When that peace comes... It means that you have trusted God and now you're not filled with anxiety. And you know, even the dog picked up on it. Your pets pick up on your moods. One time during the thunderstorm, the lights flickered three times before they went out. And my son went, oh no! Because, you know, my, my son... My son, he needs his electricity for his computer and his stuff. Amen. <laughs> so when the lights flickered and went out, oh no! When he said, oh no, the dog went, oh! Oh! We had to pick him up and rub him and say, it's okay, it's okay, don't panic, just because he panicked. Amen. They do. He picks up on your moods. And when peace came on us, peace came on the dog. Even the dog wasn't nervous during the worst part of the hurricane. And from my understanding, the eye went between Plant City and Lakeland. And we even experienced the calm of the eye, that eerie calm when you can go outside and there's not even a breeze. And then it picks up again for a while. But God was so good when His peace comes. I remember when George who was our song leader for a while. Uh, and, and I remember when, when George's daughter was on a scooter with a friend, another gal, and, and had a wreck. And uh, they didn't know the extent of her injuries. They were not external, but they were concerned about possible bleeding internally because of the big hit that they took when they wrecked. They were in the hospital, what used to be university community, we had had a service prior to that wreck when we were talking about troubles coming to Christians and how we get through those troubles. We had studied the scripture. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivereth him out of them all. Isn't that incredible? God doesn't put you in a bubble. He doesn't need to. Whatever touches you touches him. And if we look to him, he said, I will deliver you. Can you say, man, glory be to God. Without test, there would never be a testimony. But because of God taking us through those times of testings, he's given us a testimony. And testimonies are powerful to a gainsaying world. Can you say, man, they can question our theology. They can question the authenticity of the Bible. They can question whether God exists, but they can't question an answer to prayer when it's put right in their face can you say man that's why god wants to be glorified in the answer call upon me in the time of trouble i will deliver you and what happens when the prayer is answered and thou shalt glorify me hallelujah praise god so I rushed to the hospital. When I got to the hospital, George and Patty were in that waiting room in the emergency area. And I ran over to them and I said, what's going on? They said, we don't know. George said, I don't know what's going on behind that door with my daughter. They're checking her out right now. But God. And then he smiled. 
without, without any evidence of the answer, without any, they had already prayed. I had prayed on the way. So the peace was there. I don't know what the extent of the injuries are. They haven't told me if it's life-threatening. They haven't told me anything. But God. But God. But God. But God. We're bringing God into this thing. So whatever they say, God is on the throne. God is in control. God is faithful. Hallelujah. And I love to see that manifest in somebody's life. That it's not just words on a page, it's truth in the heart. And it's affecting our faith toward God. Hallelujah. And of course, she came through. No eternal injury, no no internal bleeding. God is faithful. And His Word is true. And peace can come. So in all things, with prayer, be anxious for nothing. And the only way to do that is to commit everything to God in prayer. Remember the song, Oh, the peace we often forfeit. Oh, the needless pain we bear. Because we fail to carry. every. And I'm, I'm a, it's got to go beyond petition. You can't just save what you need. You need to put your trust in Him at that moment. And you need to lift your eyes above the situation. While we look not at the things which are seen, for they are temporal. That means everything you can see is going to pass away. Someday. If time lasts, everything. That Cadillac today is going to be in a junkyard if time lasts. Can you say, man, that Mercedes is going to be sitting rusting out in some junkyard. Everything you see. Amen. Oh, oh, yeah. This body you're in, if Jesus should tarry, the body itself, the physical body, it's going to be in a graveyard one of these days. It ain't going to outlast time. It wasn't designed for that. It wasn't designed for a sinful world. Everything you see is temporal. Everybody say, subject to change. Oh, yes. Everything you look at in the material world is subject to change. But everything in the spiritual world is set eternally. While we look not at the things which are seen, for they are temporary. We look at the things which are unseen, for they are eternal. Can you say, man, sometimes you've got to look past the circumstance and look up to God. Hallelujah. And put your trust in Him. Amen. And, and realize the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. But it doesn't stop with God. It comes down to you and me personally and our faith. And it said there is nothing impossible with God. How many can give God that kind of credit? couldn't be God if he was limited by the material world or by physics or science or anything else. Nothing is impossible with God. And here we go. Everybody say, here we go. And nothing shall be impossible to him that believeth. But you've got to believe. So they're in petition praying for a situation that looks impossible. And really where they were in faith, they were waiting. They knew if God doesn't do something, they're going to kill him. And we're going to pray, and they should have. 
But they never stopped to praise God for the answer. They never stopped to look for the answer. They were so involved in petition. And there's no way you're going to stop and praise God until you're not so involved in petition that at some point you reach out in faith and say, Lord, I believe you've got this. And I'm going to praise you for it right now. Amen. I really believe that you've heard me. I really do believe you've got this. Hallelujah. While they are praying petitionary prayer, which they should have. There's a knock on the door. And no one hears the knock and no one goes to answer. The knock is more persistent. What was going on in the prison while they were praying? Where they couldn't see. What was going on? An angel came. Angel came, walked into that prison, walked up to Simon Peter, put those two guards into a deep sleep, just waved his hand over him. And the, they didn't just have him between two guards. They had him in stocks. They had him in what we would call big old shackles, handcuffs. They fell off. Guards are rendered helpless. And Peter, Peter, you got to get, Peter had peace. One of the things that was occurring in Peter was, God's got this. They were, they were praying and peace dropped into Peter's heart. How do you know he had peace? Because he was dead asleep. He wasn't, listen, worry will take sleep from you. It will keep you up all night long. It will have you walking the floor and wringing your hands instead of raising your hands in praise to God. Can you say, man? And by the way, worry is common to all of us. If someone called me right now and said, your wife, an ambulance came and got your wife and she's on her way to the hospital. I am human. I'm going to care. That care is going to come on me. And I'm not going to just slough it off with some simple little faith statement. But I am going to pray earnestly to God for her safety. On the way to check on her and see what they say about her, I'm going to put her in God's hands by faith. And at some point, I'm going to praise God for taking care of my wife. I'm not just going to stay in an emergency mode. I want the peace of God to come. That's how you stand. See, you, you, the shoes, what kind of shoes does the armor provide? And, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's not just that you are prepared to preach that gospel that can bring peace between someone and God. It, it, you're doing it from a standpoint of personal peace with God that you have, that they pick up on. They know it, just like the dog knew it when it was in us. People pick up on that. Amen? You're not troubled because of the Democratic Party. Are you? You don't think God can handle them? 
You really don't believe God can handle the liberal left? That the nation is going to hell in a handbasket because of Hollywood or the liberals or the media? That God's not big enough to send a revival right in the midst of all this mess? But He can't do it with discouraged, distracted people. He has to do it with people of faith and people with praise in their hearts and people that recognize they have authority with God through the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. People that don't pull their head in like a turtle when they're threatened. Hallelujah. The righteous flee when no man pursueth. He's filled with fears and phobias. But the, I mean, the, the, the wicked flee when no man pursues him. He don't even know why he's scared. He's just scared. Can you say amen? But the righteous are bold as a lion. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And when God says to the enemies of Israel in the old covenant, I will roar out of Zion. Amen. That means I will rise up and protect my people. I will rise up and defend my people. Let God therefore arise and his enemies be scattered. Can you say amen? Israel knew you take, you, if you're right with God and you take the ark into battle, you can't lose. God's going to fight. God's going to take up the battle. So, listen, when they picked up the ark, when the priest from that lineage that was designated to touch the holy things, when they picked it up with those poles through those golden rings, when they picked it up to carry it, they quoted this psalm, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Didn't work at shallow because they weren't right with God. Amen. But God defended his own name. They took the ark. They stole it. They got what they wanted, but they didn't want what they got. Can you say amen? Because trouble began to come until they were ready to get rid of that thing. They took it in the temple as a, as a treasure uh, of, of their defeat of Israel in battle. They took it into their temple of Dagon. They had this big old fish god or whatever he was. Amen. Anyway, he's standing tall. And they put the ark in there as a, as, as a, as a trophy of their victory. Got up the next morning and this big huge idol had fallen prostrate, prostrate and is lying before the ark. And they said, whoa. They hoisted the thing back up, got up again, and it fell down and broke to pieces before the ark. And then all kinds of plagues began to come on them because of the ark. And they said, you know, Israel may not be right with God, but God is, their God is still God. Can you say, man? He may not be blessing them in battle because of their compromise, but He is still God. And He's still defending His own name. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Amen. And they wanted to get rid of the ark. 
Get it up out of here. We do not want it. You can have it. Can you say, man, we don't want no trouble with whatever. There's something supernatural going on here that we can't handle with our military. We can't handle with our false gods. Can't handle it. Our military can't handle it. Can you say, man, there's something in that little gopher wood box with that golden top. Amen. There's something about it. This is not Raiders of the Lost Ark fantasy. This is a holy God. Hallelujah. That said, I will defend my holy name. Hallelujah. I'll make it known among the heathen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. When God wants to roar out of Zion again. Amen. And you know what? The church of Jesus Christ is the Zion he wants to roar out of. Glory be to God. The dead church. The deceived church. The desperate church. The destitute church. The distracted church. Impotent. Worried. Filled with anxiety. Looking at the world and feeling overwhelmed. With a God this great and a God this good. Worried sick. Diseased. As if God has deserted us. And he hasn't went anywhere. The church of Jesus Christ has drifted. I read a book by Leonard Ravenhill. Required reading Lee Bible College in Tennessee. Cleveland, Tennessee. For a graduating class years ago. Why revival tarries. And one of the headings was, not where is the Lord God of Elijah? God hasn't changed. He hasn't moved. But where are the Elijahs of God? Where are people that will prove him? Where are people that will trust him? Where are people that will claim every covenant promise and stand on his word? Can you say, man, Elijah, he wasn't satisfied to have the mantle of Elisha, rather, wasn't satisfied to have Elijah's mantle. He wanted to prove God for himself. He took that mantle. He walked up to the river Jordan, and he smacked it with the mantle, and he cried, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And you know how God answered him? God didn't say, God didn't say in a booming voice, I'm here! No, when he slapped the water, the water stood up on in and parted. When God manifests his power and the miracles are restored, there's the Lord God of Elijah. He hasn't changed. He hasn't aged. He hasn't weakened. He hasn't. Nothing has changed except the church. We become self-reliant, self-sufficient. Self-absorbed, independent, we call on God as a last resort instead of our first line of defense. We get out crusty, rusty old faith that hasn't been used. You know what? I, I bought a brand spanking new generator. Put it in my shed in the box. And it would run just about everything in my home, including window unit air conditioner. It'd keep my fridge going. It would, it would have been such a blessing. 
Ah, the power's off, but I got a generator. Man, I'm going to, before Pamela even wakes up, me and Matthew's going to pull that bad boy out. We're going to gas it up. We're going to oil it up. And we're going to crank it up. And she's going to get up and be so proud of us. Boy, I got that generator out. I had, I had trouble getting a screen out to run the wires in through the kitchen. And I, I said, hey, you know, we can do without a screen. We've got to have some power. I worked on that, bent the screen, got it out. It'll never be the same. But anyway, amen. But if we had power, my wife wouldn't care. And I put the oil in it. I read the instructions. I had run a generator before, an older one. This is brand spanking new. It's been in the box for years. Sitting in a hot shed. And I cranked that bad boy until my arm wouldn't hardly work. And I got my son, Matthew. I said, son... Do you think you can pull on this for a while? And he's sweating. He's saying, Dad, I'll get it. And he cranked. And he cranked it. He's 44. He's, to me, that's young, man. He's cranking. He's, that's my youngest. He's cranking. He's cranking. He's cranking till his arm's about to fall off. He said, Dad, I don't think it's going to start. And I said, well, let Daddy crank it a couple of more times. I gave it a crank. And you know what happened? Your arm fell off. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't. No, I had to pick it up and ask God. No, no. I gave it a crank and it froze up. It just froze up to where you couldn't pull it anymore. And I got online and found out through my son's phone that some of those engines sitting that long, even not using it, something happens inside of there. And I thought, here I am. You know what? This is sit without being used. So long, it has become useless. It's, it could power my whole house, but it won't crank up. You know what I don't want to happen? I don't want my faith to sit so long. While I find... I'm a believer in slaying lions and bears. Stay with me just a minute. I'm a believer in slaying lions and bears. Every chance you get, kill a lion and kill a bear. Because it gets you ready when the giant shows up. And whether you're slaying the lions and bears or not, using your faith and seeing answers, the giant's going to come ready or not. One day a giant is going to come. And listen to how David's faith worked. He comes down not to kill a giant, to show off, show out. He comes down for one reason from keeping the sheep. He comes down to bring bread and cheese To his brothers. He wants to bless them because they're in Saul's army. But Saul's army can't can't send a champion against Goliath. And when he hears that, you know what he says? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? And they said, and the devil's always going to tell you this. They said, they said, have you seen the size of this man? You don't understand. Have you? And then they described in detail 
They knew the weight of his, his armor. They knew the weight of his javelin. They knew the weight of his shield. They knew how tall he was. And they put it out there to David. And how did, how did David overcome that? Somewhere where nobody's watching, David is developing his faith in God. He's out there by himself without his elder brothers. And a lion says, easy pickings. There's a kid out here, a pimply-faced kid. And I'm going to take me one of these sheep, and he ain't going to be able to do nothing about it. In fact, when he sees me, he's going to run for cover. I'm not even going to have to deal with him. I'm going to get me one of them sheep. That little shepherd boy ain't going to be able to stop me. And the lion comes out to get himself a sheep. And the shepherd boy puts a stone in his sling. And he turns it loose. He's got an anointing on him. Amen. Oil has been poured over his head. Can you say amen? And through the anointing of God, he killed the lion. So a bear got the same idea. I'm going to get me a sheep. And there's nobody here to defend them except this little pimply-faced kid right here. When he sees me, he's going to run in panic. David's anointed. The anointing is supposed to make a difference. Can you say, I said the anointing is supposed to make a difference. I said the anointing is supposed to make a difference. And David, under the anointing, Slayed the bear. There's a dead lion and a dead bear. And here's a little kid saying, Praise ye Jah. Praise ye Jehovah. So after they tell how big the problem is, David says, I have slain the lion. I have slain the bear. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? The devil tried again to discourage him. His own brethren said, why aren't you keeping the sheep? I know the naughtiness of your heart. You're a proud, boastful young man. No, it wasn't anything to do with pride. He knew who he was in God and who God was in him. And you know what he told his big brothers? Is there not a cause... In other words, big bro, are you going to go out and challenge him to defend Israel? Are you going to do something about it? Acting like around the house, your King Kong's brother-in-law. Can you say, man, are you going to go out there? Are you going to go out in the name of God and defend Israel? And they backed off. And David went to the king. And said, will you let me be your champion? Listen, Saul saw something in him that he used to have and manifest. Saul recognized the anointing of God on his life. Hallelujah. You don't trust whether you're going to be a slave to the Philistines or not to a little shepherd boy unless there's something more than that little boy standing there. Can you say, man, Saul, at one time, Saul was anointed and that anointing flowed and manifest. And Saul began to be troubled. Who did he call for? 
Out of all the the people he could call to soothe him in song, he called for David. David played his harp, and the Bible said that Saul, as long as he was playing his praises to the Lord, Saul had peace in his mind. He knew there's something special about that young man. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this braggadociously, but when I was in the first grade, I had a very perceptive Christian teacher, Mrs. Branch. Mrs. Branch called my daddy and my mama in and I thought what have I done I don't remember doing anything wrong I tried to be a good boy and learn the best I can call them in for a meeting between generally that means trouble but it didn't mean trouble for me I was seven when I went into first grade turned seven because of the way my birthday falls and I listened to the conversation to see what was the issue And Mrs. Branch told my mama and my daddy, she said, I am a Christian. And I've been teaching children for years. And said, there's something different about your son. And I'm thinking. I mean, you know, you're a kid. You don't know. You don't know. She said, and she said it with authority. She said, God has his hand on your son. Well, that didn't mean nothing to me at the time. I went crazy like any other teenager. Any, anybody here was lost before you got saved? You were crazy, weren't you? Amen. Still crazy after all these years. No, that is not our song. That is not our song. But when God called me to preach, suddenly that all came back to me. And I said, Lord, your hand was on me way back then for what I'm going to do now in the name of Jesus Christ. And the anointing is still here. Praise God. I said the anointing is still here. Crowds don't generate the anointing. Amen. That anointing was on David. And David operated under that anointing. And you know the rest of the story. Oh, one more thing they did. They brought him Saul's armor. If you're going to represent Israel and you're going to fight in the name of Jehovah, in the name of Saul the king, you put on the king's armor. And when that boy put on that man's armor, it didn't fit. It just didn't fit. Saul's armor is relying on your education, your intelligence, and your ingenuity instead of the Holy Spirit. And, and the devil is still offering Saul's armor today to get people to quit pursuing the anointing. It's something you can't be taught in a Bible college except to, to seek it from God. Can you say amen? We got clergymen in pulpits without an anointing. They are highly educated. They are theologically trained but they couldn't cast a devil amen out if their life depended on it they couldn't pray a prayer of faith to see a miracle occur if someone else's life depended upon it amen the average pastor because of this this lack of anointing and lack of understanding of spiritual warfare the average pastor statistically in america prays 15 minutes a week Because we're theologically trained. We've got a perfect three-point sermon. We know homiletics and hermeneutics. But we don't know God like we need to know Him.
And it's they that do know their God that will be strong and do exploits. So we've turned out a general, and I'm not just talking about non-Pentecostal based churches, but churches across the board. We got men pursuing position. Men pursuing fame. Men pursuing the best benefit package. Men pursuing the applause of other men. Rather than the favor of God. So if someone is knocking on the door. Oh by the way Peter has such peace. He's sleeping. In all things in prayer and supplication. Let your request be made unto, unto God with thanksgiving. Wait a minute. You've got to stop in the middle of making the petition. To give God praise for listening. Hearing and answering. Everybody say, with thanksgiving. When you're in panic stage, you don't stop to thank God. You're holding the thanks until you're past the crisis. The devil wants you to pray in panic, not in peace, and therefore not in power. He wants you to keep praying as if God isn't listening, instead of pray like you know he's listening. Hallelujah. Do you understand the difference? In all things with prayer and supplication. Supplication means your petitionary request, direct, distinct request. Let your request be made known unto God with, with, with thanksgiving. And at the moment the thanks is offered, faith has been made manifest toward God. Because if you can stop being panic-stricken long enough to start thanking God, peace is occurring. And the peace of God, after what? Petition or after thanks? After thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind. All of that worry, all of that fear, there's a barrier now. Hallelujah. There's a keep. Think of a keep as a fortress, a castle that is well defended with high walls and a moat and great gates and a drawbridge and guards on the parapets. That's what a keep is. Now your mind is kept from the anxiety, the fear, and the debilitating worry. That'll eat you up. And it'll eat me up. And when that peace comes, Mike... Even the dog feels it. Hallelujah. And I'm talking about a a nervous dog. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. Someone's knocking at the door, but they're so involved in praying in panic. that no one hears the knock. No one's looking for the answer. No one has stopped to give thanks or they'd have heard the knock. But a little damsel, seeing all these big prayer warriors praying so loud, hears a knock on the door, and out of just being inquisitive, she went and peeped out the door. And Peter's standing. By the way, Peter was so in sleep 
the angel had to slap him on his thigh to wake him up. And he looked at the two guards and they're dead asleep. Looked at the prison door, it's standing wide open. And he didn't know until he was outside the prison, outside the inner, outside the outer, and outside the jail altogether, that this was really real. Said he thought it was a dream. He thought it was a dream. And I'm going to put something in here that's not in your Bible. And a skeeter bit him. He said, I am out. I'm really free. The angel then disappeared. I don't need to do anything else. My job is done. Now he's going to tell them about his deliverance and thank them for praying, but they can't stop praying for his deliverance long enough to receive the answer. They didn't believe it yet. And he's trying to get them to receive it. And she runs back and tells them that Peter's standing at the door and they still don't listen. They're too busy in petition. Leave us alone. We got this is serious. It is serious. God was serious about delivering. But you got to stop and look for the answer and you got to praise God and you got to become thankful in all things in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made on unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Finally, they stopped praying, opened the door, began to rejoice because Peter was set free supernaturally by an angel. And he thought he was dreaming because God moved so supernaturally. When God turned again the captivity of Zion, Psalm 126, when God turned the captivity of Zion... We were as those that dream. Can this really be happening? Can we really be set free from one of the mightiest cultures and countries in the world? Can we really go home? Can we really rebuild our cities? Can we rebuild that broken relationship with God and have His favor and blessing again? Can We were as those that dream. But as it continued to manifest, they realized this ain't no dream. This is God Almighty moving in our behalf, keeping the covenant He made with Abraham and his seed. Can you say amen? Then everything changed. Our tongues were, our mouth was filled with laughter. (laughs) And our mouth with song. Laughter and song. They picked up their harps from the previous ones. They begin to sing the high praises of God again. And God began to rebuild and restore their fortunes. And those old waste cities were built back up. And all the Jewish holy days began to be kept. And they realized we've got a covenant with a mighty God. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Did you get anything out? Are, are, you, ready to st- are you ready to start blending some praise with your petition? Not waiting for something to happen. Hallelujah. So that God can make something happen for you. It's called releasing your faith. Releasing your faith. Releasing your faith. Hallelujah. There's some families in this room here today. That God has begun a work 
of restoration. Hallelujah. And he that's begun a good work in you will not give up on you. He will perform it until Jesus comes, until the day of Jesus Christ. He that's begun a good work in you will perform it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. How do we get the depression? How do we get this Christian community with a God this gracious and this good and this great? How can we get Christians to trust Him enough to have peace and praise instead of pressure and pain? Brother Taylor, how do we achieve that? How do we get Christians to cheer up? Instead of looking at the problems. How do we get Christians to quit being de- depressed, fatalistic looking people? So that our witness has some clout when we tell people what Jesus can do. Amen. Big bumper sticker on the back bumper says, Jesus is the answer. Big sourpuss in the driver's seat says, don't you believe it. Come on, something needs to match up. How about it? Something needs to match up. Young Christians today need to just see something more than older Christians telling them how to do it. They need a demonstration. They need to see somebody with victory. Somebody with joy. Somebody with peace. Somebody with the testimony that God is on the throne and God is answering prayer. God will come through. Hallelujah. So that somebody will care when you try to tell them about Jesus. In fact, if they see the hope in you, they'll come to you. You won't even have to go to them. They will come to you. Bible said you better be, you get hope developed, that glad anticipation of future good in this old helpless, hopeless world that we live in. You will stand out like a sore thumb. Be city set on a hill that can't be hid. And then you better be ready to give an answer to all men for the reason. Be instant in season, out of season, ready to give an answer to all men for the reason of the what that's in you? The hope that's in you. The hope that's in you. The glad anticipation of future good. My Lord is coming soon. I don't know how far down the road and mess the world's going to get in. But one thing I know. My Lord is coming soon. All of this is just telling me Jesus is about to come. Hallelujah. The trump is about to sound. Hallelujah. So I'm not going to live with my head in a hole somewhere, digging a hole in the ground. Amen. Are you, are you building your bomb shelter? No, I'm not looking for a hole in the ground, darling. I'm looking for a hole in the sky. Can you say amen? God told me to look at everything differently. When you see these things, the things the world is looking at, amen, right now, when you see them, beginning to come to pass when you see what's happening when you see what's coming amen look at it differently when you see these things and they're negative things they're end time things they're last day things when you see them begin to come to pass oh wring your hands in despair run to and from no 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 when you see these things begin to come to pass lift up your head For your redemption draweth nigh. Can you say, man, the king is coming very, very soon. Glory to God. 
Hallelujah. You think that'll play through? You think maybe give you a moment. If it doesn't, we'll just sing a hymn and go home. How many are going to make a genuine effort in the middle of a crisis to give God thanks and praise right in the midst of what's going on and not just stay in petitionary mode? Stop long enough to offer thanksgiving and to give God praise. Will you, will you do that? See, we've got to get this frown turned around. We can't keep living in this despair. We can't keep talking faith while living in despair. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We've got to get real after a while. We've got to quit fronting. Come on, we've got to quit fronting, saying all the, the things we're expected to say, but not manifesting. It's not enough to say it. Not enough to teach it or tell it. God wants us to live it. Can you say man? He's just part of my job is preaching. Been anointed since the first grade. Didn't know what I was anointed for, but I've been anointed since the first grade. Hallelujah. But you know the hard part is to go through things in my personal life and model it. To be an example to the flock. Not being a lord over God's heritage, but an example to the flock. I've had a bad week. It's not because of that storm. There's other storms going on. I was in a hurricane before the hurricane got here. It, come on, y'all know what trouble is, tribulation and issues that come up and stuff you can't run from and hide from, you've got to deal with. It'll drag you down. And you've got to reach up and let God pull you out. Can you say, man? You say, Brother Venable, you preaching this morning with joy and authority and anointing. You must have had a great week. Sometimes, sometimes, you know what the Bible said to do? You won't know. You'll never know unless I take you into my confidence and tell you. Amen. And if I tell you, I'll drag you down. Then we'll both be. No, I just want to lift you up today. When they cast your name out as evil, speak all manner of evil about you for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Say, boy, pastor, look like he's, he's going to fly away this morning. Pastor came in with such joy, such peace, preaching with such power and victory. He must have had one of the most wonderful weeks of his life. Well, for all you know, I had one of the worst weeks of my life. But I'm obeying the scripture by faith. I'm not faking it. I'm faithing it. Hallelujah. I believe if I give God the praise, he's going to take care of me. I believe if I give God the thanksgiving, he's going to break the yokes. I believe that we, I, I believe I win before the fight starts, let alone, amen, before it's over. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I have blessed thee, my children, to be a blessing. And yea, have I not caused thee to be a blessing, saith the Lord. Because thou hast been faithful in the small things, yea, in the little things, in the minute things, I will continue to bless thee with greater things, saith God. I will cause doors to open that only I can open, and I will cause doors to open that no man can shut. 
Only you could turn back. Only you could look back. So don't look back. Don't turn back. But look forward and continue to be faithful. For surely I will reward you, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. After you patiently endure, you will receive the promise. For the promises of God are yea and amen to everyone that believes, saith the Lord. Believe me for every promise that I've made to be fulfilled. For I'm not just a promise maker, saith the Lord. I'm a promise keeper. And yea, saith God, hath I not said it? Will I not do it as it is written? I will do it. Wait patiently, and I will strengthen your heart. Wait patiently, and I will give you sufficient grace. Wait patiently, and you will receive all that I have promised, saith God. For not one promise has ever failed, and not one will fail. For I'm a promise keeper, saith God. Hallelujah. 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 Concerning the Messiah... The Old Testament are promises made, prophetic promises made. The New Testament are promises kept. Hallelujah. God's got a track record of keeping every single promise that he's ever made. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's sing one more song of praise to him today.